At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour number two of primetime action here on VSIN. Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, Wes Reynolds with us here on the desk. John Von Tobel still to come. Talk some game three with him. Jake Hahn a little bit later. Talk some NHL with him, but we do have some first pitches that are coming up here in about 10 minutes. So if you do want to get involved in some of these baseball games yet to go, we got the Dodgers and the White Sox. Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers, Johnny Cueto for the White Sox. The Dodgers are minus 170 road favorites over the White Sox, plus 150 if you want Cueto and the White Sox as underdogs, eight and a half is your total. Phillies and Brewers, Phillies minus 125. Road favorites over the Brewers, plus 105. If you want Adrian Hauser in the Brewers as home underdogs, eight and a half is your total. Aaron Nola got your bet today, right, right Wes? He did, and, yeah. and if you look just at the peripherals in terms of the numbers, 392 on the ERA, 278 on the fielding independent pitching. We talk about that a lot here, so usually you want that if a guy's got better fielding independent than he does in terms of his ERA, and look, the Phillies have been on a roll ever since Rob Thompson. Now the interim manager, Joe Girardi, was let go. I think I don't think it was all on, on Girardi mm-hmm. necessarily, but all of a sudden you got the Phillies hitting, and the fact that they can get two bombs in the top of the ninth last night off Josh Hader, who, oh, by the way, because I asked the question, the stupid question on Twitter last night, I was like, when's the last time Josh Hader's given up two bombs in a mm-hmm. save situation? And I should ask, how about when's the last time he gave up a run? Because he hadn't given up a run all of t- – the answer would be 2021 was the last time he gave up a run because he had not given up an earned run this year, gave up two last night. Philly's got the win. So, you know, there's still a lot of distance between them and the Mets right now, but I'm not ruling them out because they got a lot of talent in that lineup. Mm-hmm. The defense is terrible, and they're going to probably make some moves. At least you got to shore up that bullpen because that got a little dicey with Corey Knable last night. Yeah, Nola with a with a microscopic 3.26 xFIP. He's got a over a 30 percent K rate on the season and an under four percent walk rate. So you're you're getting a guy here, like you said, that is mm-hmm. is striking guys out, not putting guys on for free, and probably again is is been a bit unlucky. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm going to keep riding the Phillies. Look, sometimes you got to ride these streaks in baseball, and that's something I used to be really stubborn as a better Matt, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay. 
trying to predict when the streak is going to end because I think that's what a lot of betters, especially ones that have been doing this a little while, you're thinking, okay, regression is coming, regression is coming, but it's not always going to come immediately. Sometimes it's going to be delayed regression here, but I'm going to keep riding the Phillies because I think, you know, they're playing with confidence. Mm -hmm. And I know baseball is such a numbers handicapped sport in a way. Sometimes we don't look at like emotion and emotion absolutely matters. And when you got a team with confidence like Philadelphia, I'm going to keep going with them. Both of these lineups are out. Betts, Freeman, Turner, Smith, Turner, Bellinger, Taylor, Alvarez, and Lux for the Dodgers. Over on the White Sox side, Garcia, Robert, Moncada, Abreu, Grandal, Berger, Sheets, Pollock, and Mendick. Uh, for the Phillies tonight, Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, Gregorius, Baum, Herrera, and Stott. You look at this lineup, and I understand they can't field, but you just look at this lineup, and like one one to seven for sure, mm-hmm. and then if you if you throw in Odubel Herrera, like one right. to eight, this is a scary, scary, scary lineup. Yeah, and, and the kid Stott, by the way, is from right here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. They just called him up to the show basically like two weeks ago. I think his first at bat, he hit a home run, so all of a sudden he becomes the toast of Philadelphia, and you look at the guys last night that uh, that teed off on Hader in the bottom, of, or at the top of the ninth, rather. Alec Baum, who's had an mm-hmm. up-and-down uh, tenure, I yeah. would say, in Philadelphia. And then Matt Vierling, who was hitting 170, gets the second one that put him ahead for good. Over on Milwaukee side, Yelich leading off, Adamas, Talese, Ur- Urias, McCutcheon, Peterson, Renfro, Caratini, and then Lorenzo Kane hitting in the nine hole there for them. Have we gotten anything further on these delayed games? Do we know if they are going yeah, to? Yeah, I'm seeing at, at, at next update, 520 is where it's been updated for Arizona, Cincinnati, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Cubs, Baltimore, that has not gotten underway yet. 535, I think, is the at least tentative mm-hmm. first pitch there in Camden Yards. We are underway in Cleveland, though. That was a little bit of a rain delay, but only about 15, 20 minutes. It is Dane Dunning against Shane Bieber. Bieber with the lead right now two to nothing bottom of the third Indians over the Rangers Diamondbacks and Reds is supposed to be Merrill Kelly versus Mike Minor. Cubs and Orioles supposed to be Marcus Stroman versus Jordan Lyles but we'll see if all this sticks depending on how long this these games get delayed a couple of notes just for the later baseball games as well if you're looking at some of these lines and wondering why they might look a little bit wonky on the Angels side of things uh, no Mike Trout in the lineup tonight for them he they're saying it doesn't look like he's going to have to go to the IL, but he is taking the night off for the Angels. Then on the Mets side, a couple of guys out for them. Marte not in there. Alonzo not in there for the Mets either in that game against San Diego. So if you're wondering why those lines might look a little off, it's because some uh, very, very key players not in the line. Just one lineup change Mm -hmm. for the Red Legs. This is from Mark Sheldon, the Reds beat reporter for MLB.com. Nick Senzel is a scratch, so it'll be Friedel going Mm -hmm. in center field, but that's basically the only adjustment. Mike Biner still scheduled to make his second start of the season. Mr. Bidlin, you want to give us a full update here? Yeah, I'll run through things. Starting off with just a couple news and notes from the NBA game. Iguodala and Gary Payton both available for the Warriors tonight. And then also, uh, I'm sure it was just an accident, but the Warriors a bit delayed getting pregame shooting Mm -hmm. in because the rim was set two inches too high, apparently, on the uh, Golden State side. I can just see Steve Kerr being uh, Coach Norm Dale of the (laughs) Hickory Huskers for Hoosiers and measuring the rim, and then it goes, still 10 feet, boys, still 10 feet, just Uh, like Jim and Hickory. Steph was talking about this same thing after the last game, and I guess Jordan Poole is is like the king of of figuring this out at at every stop in the NBA. They put him on the ladder like they do Ollie and Hoosiers Mm. and and measure this and make sure – 
it's uh, so well, I guess we'll have to, to find go. out if Jordan Poole is the guy who spotted it again. Uh, as far as baseball in action right now, Nationals and Marlins in the bottom of the fourth scoreless. Marlins minus 200 live. Nationals plus 160. Four and a half your live total. Mariners up on the Astros, four to three in the top of the fifth. Mariners minus 160. Astros plus 130. 11 and a half your live total. And the Rays up on the Cardinals, four to nothing. That came in the top of the third. Uh, minus 1050 live on the Rays. Cardinals plus 600, nine and a half the total. A's and Braves scoreless. Uh, that game in the top of the fourth inning. Live numbers currently down. The Guardians with a four to nothing lead over the Rangers uh, in the bottom of the third. Guardians minus 2400. You can get 10 to one live on the Rangers. <laughs> nine and a half your live total. <laughs> Yankees and Twins scoreless. That game in the bottom of the second inning. If you wanted to hop in live, Yankees minus 150 on the road. Twins plus 120. Seven and a half the total. Yeah, we are we are monitoring some of these monster performances. Of course, Aaron Judge has 22 homers now on the season. Five clear of Jordan Alvarez with 17. Betts and Alonzo both with 16. But as we said, uh, Alonzo is going to at least miss a couple of games. For them, he was leading the league in RBI at 54. He was tied tonight by Jose Ramirez of the Guardians with 54. They are seven. They are also seven clear of the next closest in Paul Goldschmidt, who has 47 RBI. I mean, I think if we look at this, West, I mean, we start to we start to try to look at these MVP odds, and mm-hmm. you know, the Aaron Judge MVP odds have shrunk way down to almost nothing with all this. But and I think it's kind of rightfully so because. He plays in this market in New York. He plays for the Yankees, and he's leading the league in home right. runs, not just right. a little bit, by five. You know, he's, he's five clear of the next closest guy right now. I understand all the judge hype, and I get why he's at where he's at in these odds. Yeah, absolutely, and that was my one award bet that I placed. Mm-hmm. I know you and Kelly and Gil, you delve into the awards market maybe a little bit more than I do, but I did bet Aaron Judge at 20-1 to mm-hmm. the start of the season just thinking, okay, contract year. Yep. He was the healthiest he had ever been in his career, missed the least amount of games last mm-hmm. season, so you know maybe this is the time. And you knew Otani and Trout uh, weren't going to drift very high in the market, by the way, Trout not expected to go in the lineup against the Red Sox tonight. So I'm not sure if that's kind of a day-to-day situation. That's what it seems like it's going to be. But they're always going to be, no matter what the Angels do, and the fact that they're on, what, a 12-game losing streak mm-hmm. right now. And, of course, Joe Madden got let go. Phil Nevin, now the manager out there in Anaheim. But because they're going to put up such good numbers and they're such good names, you're not going to see these guys all of a sudden drift to like 10 to one or 12 to one or anything like that. Jordan Alvarez, of course, got a nice mm-hmm. big contract extension. So if you're looking down the board, I think an AL MVP, you can't really go too far, probably, even though we've only had about two months of the yeah. season played. But I think Jordan Alvarez may be in that middle price of about 15 to one is where I would go. But Aaron Judge, Right now, I don't want to say it's his award to lose, but he's certainly the justifiable favorite. Yeah, Vlad would have to go on a pretty major heater. He struggled for a good three weeks there for the Blue Jays, and that really kind of knocked his stats down. I mean, not from not even just the the average type stuff, but the the counting stats weren't getting there either. He mm-hmm. just really was not getting anything done at all at the plate. So seeing him drift all the way to sixteen, I don't. I'm not saying he's dead in the, in this, but he is certainly drifted way out of this. I guess the interesting this will be an interesting case with Shohei Otani this year because the if you if you kind of look at his batting statistics, they're they're average, right? Mm-hmm. I mean like they're they're average. He also pitches, but he's been pitching 
above average, but right. you know, but like you know, not not great or anything like that. So if you if you really if if you really look at like most valuable, yes, a guy who pitches at a re- above replacement mm-hmm. level and then also hits at an above replacement level is probably the most valuable player in the league. That being said. Are we we gave it to him last year? Have we gotten right. past all this? But you, at Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Shiny new toy and thing. You, and you do reward win- winning, yeah. of course, yeah. too. I know this is still you know very early in the season, but the Yankees' first club to 40 wins. Mm-hmm. They're 40 and 15, so... You, you can't, you know, give them the the AL East right now and give them the number one spot in the American League, but at least you know that they're probably going to be good enough to win a wild card spot, mm-hmm. you would think, barring injury disaster. So Aaron Judge is going to stay at the top of that market, I think, throughout the season. Yeah, Shohei right now hitting 242 with a 324 OBP. So it will be an interesting case here to see what the voters truly value, whether you do need the gaudy stats Mm -hmm. to go along with, you know, and Aaron Judge, if he keeps up this pace, is certainly going to have the gaudy stats. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, see what he thinks about Game 3 as well. Primetime action here on Wednesday. With Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Primetime action here on Wednesday. Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, and Wes Reynolds on the desk. Now joining us, our senior NBA analyst. You can find him over on the Twitter machine at me, JVT. He is Jonathan Von Tobel. John, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, guys. I'm excited. Feels like an eternity between games, but they're starting to pick up a little bit in terms of the schedule. Now we get another one on Friday, so I'm doing, I'm doing good. It, it feels like that because it, it, it has been an eternity between yeah. games. But yes, I, uh, I'm with you. Starting to get a little excited myself. Let's talk about sitting three and a half right now, John. Two. We've seen this actually tip up uh, at a few different books out here up to 214 from 213 and a half on the total. Um, let's start off with the spread. Where do you land on Celtics being the three and a half point favorite here at home? Uh, deservedly so. And I, and I laid it with Boston. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like them in this situation. Not, not only the whole going back home thing, which I think is, you know, whatever you're going back home, they played well at home. Um, but this is a team that's responded really well, Matt. And everybody keeps throwing around the, you know, six and O ATS and straight up after a win or after a straight up loss. 
Uh, but as I wrote about today in the the week there, the daily column, it goes back a little bit farther than that. If you go and include the regular season, uh, the Boston Celtics, after a straight-up loss, if you include those games, 26-11 and 11 straight up, 25-12 and 12 against the spread. Ime Udoka has done a really good job with this team, getting them ready after they lose games. And they've done this now throughout the postseason, too. So I believe that they'll have their adjustments ready to go. And I think a number like that, you know, a lot of people will just blindly play it. But I do think it speaks to the coaching. Udoka has done a brilliant job with making small adjustments, getting this team ready to go and picking up on their failures uh, whenever they lose games like they did in game two. And I do think a lot of the times, at least this is how I feel, when I come away from a Celtics loss, more often than not, I feel it's more on Boston than it is on what the opponent did to them. And that doesn't take away from what Golden State did. They made adjustments. They were running more classic pick and rolls. Uh, they were using Gary, Pay- Gary Payton, who was great uh, in terms of being a screener, being a defender. Uh, there were there were things that Golden State did differently. But if you're looking at the way that Boston was defending, getting a little lazy on the drop coverage, not coming up on that, allowing Daniel Tice to play minutes for some odd reason, uh, not just being as aggressive on that end of the floor, those are things that you can change when you come back home here. So I like Boston today. So late at three and a half in this, uh, in this spot against the Golden State Warriors. And, John, I know you like Boston for the series, but just kind of going from game to game here was part of your reason not only for laying it with the Celtics, and I did so as well, first half and, and also full game money line. Do you just think, okay, there's going to be at least some short-term turnover regression here because that's where I think Boston got in trouble. Everybody looks at the shooting and it's like, hey, they still shot 41% from the three and they still made 15 of them, obviously down from what they did game one. But do you just anticipate, okay, they're going to take better care of the basketball here once they get back home? You would assume so, Wes. And, and like this has been a topic that Udoka has harped on uh, throughout this entire postseason. You know, if you look at the games in which they lost um, in this postseason up to this point, a 17.7% turnover rate. So turning the ball over on 17.7% uh, of their offensive possessions in non-garbage time minutes, that is the worst turnover rate besides only one team in the postseason. That would be Atlanta, who turns it over on 18.8% of their offensive possessions in that series against Miami. And of course, we know what happened in that series. Um, so this has been a team that it's been, I shouldn't say easy because it's not the right term, but you can just gauge on how this team is going to play. If they're turning the ball over, then they're going to lose. And that sounds really simplistic because everybody does it, but they seem to get really extreme with some of their turnovers. But they've also shown kind of tying into, you know, that trend of them responding after losses. They've shown that it doesn't carry over from game to game. So I, I think they'll respond pretty nicely here and taking care of the ball, adjusting how they're going to do this, getting a little bit more aggressive in terms of hunting mismatches as well. You know, because when you look at the way the Warriors played, part of the things like part of what the Warriors did so well in game two, and it's such an underrated thing, uh, they screened really well in that game. And how do you force mismatches? How do you force switches? Well, you screen extremely well and you seal your guy out. You do those little things that'll help that matchup get forced onto the guy that you want. And so I think you'll just see those little things executed a lot better. And that goes back to, of course, what you're talking about, which is fewer turnovers. So I do expect them to bounce back when it comes to their performance on offense because they have shown that they can do it and they have not been that bad with the turnovers on a consistent basis. John, I want to follow up with one thing you just said there. You had a little nugget there talking about the screening and they did screen very well, but I'm curious and maybe, you know, much is too much made in terms of a story of Scott Foster being on this game. But you look at Draymond Green in terms of how he was screen there were some times where he was just putting his head down and just bowling guys over and they weren't calling it do you think the officiating is kind of going to put a kibosh on that tonight at least on the golden state side 
I don't know if they're going to put a kibosh on it, Wes, but I know that that's really important. Right? The, how they're going to call this game, and we'll know immediately, is going to go a long way in deciding you know, how this might play out. If they're not going to allow, and there were some bad, either missed calls or, you know, or you know, miss, uh, I should say, like opposite-sided calls. You know, for example, he bowls over Grant Williams from behind. Grant Williams gets called for the offensive foul. He p- pretty much pulls like an offensive lineman and takes two guys with him, Draymond Green. It's not called, and Steph Curry walks into a wide-open three-point shot. And so if you're calling those sort of things and then all of a sudden foul trouble starts to build up for Draymond, he can't play as many minutes. And all of a sudden the floor opens up a little bit for you because their best defender outside of Gary Payton, the second side out there. So now your offense can feel a little bit better. So I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I just do know that if we get a sense of how this is going to get called and it's going to get called tight and they're going to call Draymond for those, then that helps out the Boston Celtics. And can I add too, really quickly, uh, there's being thrown around on social media that the Celtics are 12 and 0 uh, in games at which Scott Foster has been in the officiate, uh, been on the floor for them. Uh, that's a fake stat that was thrown out by a fake Twitter account. Um, <laughs> that is not true. They have eight games with Scott Foster. They're five and three in the eight games. So worth mentioning. That was from the uh, Jim Von Tobel account trying to impersonate sure. our man JBT. <laughs> John, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Wes, and I also asked. Scott a little bit earlier. Um, let's say this goes against what we all think because I had a pretty strong lean to the Celtics. I actually didn't pl- haven't played it mm-hmm. yet or didn't play it. Kelly is on them. Scott is on them. Wes is on them. You're on them. What goes wrong here if everybody is wrong? Um, well, I think first off, it's the turnovers, right, man? Like we're talking about, they're lazy with the ball. They turn it over a whole bunch, like they and like that's the thing is. What drives you nuts about Boston, it's almost like Golden State. You know, you watch a couple of those turnovers. It's like Marcus Smart throwing a bounce pass to absolutely nobody, and it's going out of bounds. Uh, it's when you're trying to dribble drive, and you're, you know, one extra dribble because you don't know what you're going to do with the ball, so you lose control of it. Because these aren't really guys that have the great sense of ball handling. So I think you start there in terms of turnovers. Uh, and then on the other side, it's, again, how you're playing them defensively. The Celtics have shown that they're willing to play some sort of drop coverage against the Warriors. And it's not necessarily that you can't do it, but you can't drop as high, right? Like, you can't just immediately sprint back to the the free throw line. You can show still a little bit and continue to play drop coverage. And I'm sorry, but I'd rather lose to Gary Payton and Draymond Green and others rolling to the basket if that's how I'm going to lose than Steph Curry draining three-point shots. So I think they kind of maintain their weird, lazy nature when it comes to some of those defensive assignments and communications. I think that's at the top of the list, like those two things, because that's burned them in both of these games. In game one, they turned it around defensively. They were switching a whole bunch of stuff, and we know what happened in the fourth quarter. But in game two, uh, that was not something that happened. And the third thing I would add to that list is they again come out today and absolutely, you know, blow it in the fourth or excuse me, in the third quarter. They have been terrible in the third quarter in these first two games. As we know, the Warriors, as we know, have a history of doing that. They come out and they get throttled in the third quarter yet again. I think that's also going to lead to them losing. So those would be the top three things. Like if this is going to blow up in all of our faces, the, um, I'm willing to bet, come back and listen to this. And I'm sure that all three of the things that I talked about are, were what transpired in a Celtics loss. John, when the series got set, the opener for game one was two ten and a half. It closed two fourteen and a half. Obviously both teams shot the three. Well, especially Boston in the fourth quarter, it easily goes over. Then it gets, adjusted and taxed about a point point and a half 215 and a half 216 game two that was a little bit high and it does go under now it seems like they've split the difference here but we are seeing at least a little bit of movement toward the over i'm seeing as high as 214 in the market where do you think this is going tonight I kind of feel like this is going to go under West and it's just correlated to the side that I like. Like if you're Boston and you're going to be in a situation to win this game and potentially cover your defensive effort is going to be much better. And your defensive effort against a Steph Curry is going to be much better. And that would mean limiting him in terms of his point total prop. That would be limiting this offense overall. 
And not that they've done a great job on Clay, but Clay hasn't really been the same. But you've limited other scorers too. Poole's been inconsistent through two games. He had a good game in game two, was non existent in game one. Clay's been non existent for two consecutive games now. You've kind of done a decent job on the other pieces, like in a scattered way through the first two games. But if you're going to come out and win this game and cover this number, then I think you're going to do a much better job, a job across the board. So that would lead me, as somebody who believes that Boston is going to win and cover this game, uh, that would lead me to look at this game under the total. John, if you are dropping in right now, you had no bet at all on the series or anything. We're sitting right now about minus 115 on the Celtics in the series. Would you play that? So I I think so, Matt. And I don't know if this is still out there. There's a couple of spots that still have minus 105 uh, on Boston. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, minus 105 on Boston. And I was uh, talking with Jeff Vogel, and I wrote about this in the uh, column that's up there on the website. The other piece, if you just take how we've priced these games up to this point, and we're talking about minus 3.5, essentially, or 60-40-ish type of win probability for the home team in this series, that would get you to like a non-juice line of minus 115 with Boston. So you add in that juice, you put you at minus 120. So, yeah, I think so. Just from a number and a value standpoint, if you're talking about Boston and still that minus 105 mark, uh, I think there is value in a team that has home court is going to be favored in these next two games uh, to win those contests. And we know how these games have been priced in San Francisco. So I think there is value in like a small 105 price on Boston. He is our senior NBA analyst. You can find him over on Twitter at MeJVT. He is Jonathan Von Tobel. John, good luck tonight. Thanks, guys. You too. We're gonna need uh, we're gonna need all the luck because Ab- it is it is, it is it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a well, rough got, network we've, around we've here got, tomorrow. We've got the shamrocks and shenanigans though on the Boston I Celtics. Mean, tonight. I mean, we are we are gonna have a rough network come around here tomorrow if this thing goes south because everybody's gonna be down in the dumps. That's gonna be crazy. We're gonna do some prop watch here on the other side. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Splitting bets! The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it's updated every 10 minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, just another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game over at VEASAN.com. V-S-I-N.com. Good job, Kelly. Good job. Yeah, I got it. You were prepared for it. I scared Ben once or twice uh, the past couple days with it. Good job. Good job. Listen, we got to keep things, you know, we keep the traditions. Got to keep it rolling. Yeah, we keep keep them rolling around here. All right, so, um... We actually, I think both of you guys have some tonight. We do have some Yeah, so uh, Mm -hmm. let's take a look here. It's time for Prop Watch. Wes, kick us off, man. You uh, you you have a play tonight. Yeah, the one I ended up playing, there were a couple I considered that we can talk about, but uh, did play Clay Thompson. Uh, PRA, points, rebounds, assists combined under 25 and a half. The big on that was about minus $1.25. And look, the one thing that concerns you, because this could go either one of two ways, is that Steve Kerr forces the issue, and then all of a sudden you get Clay Thompson, who has shot better on the road, and he gets one of those 32-point nights that, you know, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, he can still provide for you. 
Or does he play basically how he has through most of the playoffs where he shot the ball very poorly and just hasn't been able to find a rhythm? Sunday, he was 4-19, one of eight from the three, 11 points. And most of those 11 points, by the way, came in garbage time in the final seven minutes because Udoka basically at the 10-minute mark of game number two was like, okay, See you in Boston, guys. We're gonna we're gonna put the reserves in. We're gonna put uh, you know Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser and these guys off the bench and really go deep and rest our guys. And Clay got a few buckets late and ended up with eleven points. But he has just not shot the ball very well. He's four of nineteen in game number one, and I think uh, in game number two was a little bit better than that. But uh, I believe he was six of fourteen, had fifteen points. So. I do think that if, you know, maybe Steve Kerr's not going to be as stubborn as we thought, because I thought game one, when Iguodala came back, look, he was trusting his veteran, mm-hmm. and we know Andre Iguodala is a former finals MVP, so he was like, okay, my guy's going to be able to step right in, and then he realized I can't play this dude in the fourth quarter. So is he going to be stubborn with Clay Thompson, or is he going to say, you know what? I got to kind of mix and match here. I got to go with Poole. I got to go with Gary Payton, too. I got to go with Otto Porter Jr. And Otto Porter actually has been a decent little shot maker off the bench in this series. Not a lot of reps, but four of five in game number one for 12 points. Also hit a couple threes in game number two. So I got a feeling maybe Steve Kerr might have at least a little bit of a quicker trigger on Clay Thompson, and he might not be going the mid 30 minutes that we're used to seeing out of him. Yeah, even with, you know, Iguodala back cleared to play again tonight. Don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but it'll I'm, be at least a few you would think in the first Yeah, half. I mean, I'm with you, Wes. I mean, they the fact is they have more options now in game 3 to mix in there for Clay if they choose to and get to that point than they did in games 1 or game 2. So, uh, we talked a little bit about this last night on the show, but that's the I mean, like that prop that you're on it's either pass or under. I mean, there's nothing that, that's pointed you to playing the over right. in that. And, and I'm kind he's of cleared that number in six of 18 playoff games. Mm-hmm. Say it again. So he's only cleared that number in six of their 18 yeah. playoff games. And, and so he's, he's and only he's, batting 33 percent. And he's looking like he's declining as we go here each game. And, and a lot of that has to do with the Boston defense. I mean, they know the guy. They know the guy who can't really drive to the basket anymore. So they're right up in his shirt as soon as he catches the ball. So he doesn't get any clean catch and shoot opportunities. I, I like that one, Wes. I think that one is is a good play tonight. I almost played it myself. Um, the only other ones, I, the only one I considered on the Golden State side, I didn't play was Jordan Poole going over those. But I've just been stubbornly betting that, and Steve Kerr is stubbornly not playing him as much as I think he should be. <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from that from now. I do have a, uh, I keep I keep firing on this Steph Curry 40 plus uh, points one, Matt. Okay. Like this is, I'm getting 10 to one on it now. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about a guy who didn't even play. Uh, he, what he goes for 34 in that first game. He doesn't even play in the fourth quarter of the second game. Goes for 29 there. Uh, I mean, he's the only offensive piece for Golden State that's working right now. So I I, I hope the Celtics make adjustments because I have much bigger bets on that side of things. But if I, I mean, if Steph Curry is still able to score on this uh, Golden State or on this uh, Boston team. I mean, I think this hits one out of every nine times or something like that for him going 40-plus. So that's what I've got on the Golden State side of things is just that one prop. If we go over to the Boston side of things, I'm going to keep – Jeff Parles asked me last night, he goes, Derek White up from 8.5 points – on the series opener up to 11 and a half. Is it getting too high now? I said, it's not high enough yet for me. I mean, we see him eclipse this number in both the first two games. And really, last game, did he have a great shooting game? No, he didn't. He ended up going... 
He ended up going four for 13 from the field. He still goes for 12 points. But when we talk about some of these just pure point props, it's the amount of shots he's taking. He's still got the third most field goal attempts on the entire team. Derek White not exactly known for being a lights-out shooter, but just if you're going to get that many attempts and so many wide-open three-point attempts he's gotten in these first two games, I'm going to keep betting this. I think the cutoff line is more probably 13, like 13 and a half, 14 of when I probably stopped betting this, but 11 points uh, I was able to grab a couple days ago. 11 and a half I would still play it at. I like that on the Boston side. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, Kelly, in terms of, who do you think is going to step up for the offense? We know Tatum got 28, and look, he wasn't even great in game number two. He was 8 and 19, really had to work for those points. But assuming we get kind of one of those big games out of Jason Tatum, who do you think is going to step up and be that second scorer? Brown obviously gave him 17, but didn't shoot the ball very well. One prop I didn't play that I was looking at, I was looking at Marcus Smart in terms of over his points. There were some people that really liked him as a sleeper pick in terms of, uh, you know, maybe uh, down the board finals MVP. Maybe he would be like their Andre Iguodala that he was for Golden State several years ago. Marcus Smart, good in game one, but he was on the sidelines, I think, for key stretches. And then in game two, he's miserable. Uh, Five turnovers, only two points, one of six shooting. This feels like a bounce back game for Marcus Smart, but that that just looked a tad too high to me. Even though I would lean over. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you just look in that last game, I mean, yes, things got a little. You know, this gets a little out of control at the end when Boston really did put all their starters on the bench. But 25 minutes for Marcus Smart, 30 for Derek White, 19 for Peyton Pritchard. Even I, I think there's a little bit of concern there with with what Marcus Smart's been doing. And yes, do I. It, do I think he has to be better than that for the Celtics to win this series? Hell yeah, you know what I mean? But I don't yeah. know if I'm running to bet a point prop yet on him. Yeah, and it's this... really weird to look at it because he's gone over an 11 of 17 playoff games. I think uh, five of his last seven, he's gone over 13 and a half. But you just, you just wonder. The numbers say, yes, this is a good play, but just the recency bias sometimes a clouds it, and yeah. the recency bias says stay away. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the one. Like, this is, I mean, at the age he's at, this is so hard to ask of him. But if they're going to come out and play Draymond on Jalen Brown most of this game, Wiggins on Tatum, yeah. I'm like, Horford has to score. Mm-hmm. Like, it's well, just, he's going to get good matchups. I was going to bring this up. He's done a really good job on Tatum, too. I, I was going to bring this up. It's like, he's almost the guy, though, that we talk about when we do these prop deals where you almost like bet his all yeah. over as opposed like he either destroys this number or he goes way <laughs> way under I mean like you're looking at this stuff and it's like he has tw- uh, tw- uh, let's we'll just start you know five games ago 20 point game five point game 16 point game three point game five point game 26 point game two point game so he doesn't creep over the, the 11 points. He, yeah. he either gets 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-ish type points, or he's just ridiculously under. So I think you, like, could probably find yourself a, a plus money number on on Horford on an over if you were so inclined to play an over. And and you got to see – they've got to at least get more shots at the rim. What was their – I'm trying to see what that number was. It was ridiculous in game two in terms of not hardly having any baskets at the rim. And we talked about how Golden State early mm-hmm. on, they were missing layups left and right pretty much early on. But 
Boston's got to get yeah. something damn low. I think that I think that is one of the concerns too. Like Matt, you you posed that questions of you know what happens if the Warriors do win tonight. Well, we've seen we've seen Boston really fall in love with the three ball, and it's okay if you fall in love with the three ball. It's great if you're hitting them like they've been doing in game one and game mm-hmm. two, way over their expected uh, expected make percentage in those games. But like, Wes, like you said, that both teams not not finishing at the basket and the stats are there for it. And I think that's that could be a concern for both these teams mm-hmm. falling in love with. That outside shot, not even not even testing the defense inside, and that that's I mean especially Jalen Brown. If you don't have Draymond Green on you, you need to hit that first step and get to the basket, draw a foul, get and, to the line. And you know, look, we we already talked about this, but I, I think that also lends us to why maybe we're all at least at least kind of towards the under in this thing as well. Yeah. Because again, you're just these teams. The likelihood of both of them shooting. 42% from three, you know, in the same game, again, it's just it's just not very high, right? I mean, like, it's just the, they're not going to shoot 42% both teams from three. And so I think I lend to that as well, where it's kind of like, yeah, I they probably are going to huck them up. but I'll be looking for an end game maybe mm-hmm. to go under in this game because we could have a very high-scoring first quarter like mm-hmm. we've had, especially Sunday night when it was 31-30 after the first. And if you bet the under, you thought you were uh, up you-know-what's creek, but it ended up slowing down a great deal. When we come back, one of our favorite new guests here on the show, Jake Hahn, is going to join us. You can find all his stuff over at the Mayo Media Network, also on SiriusXM as well. We're going to see what he thinks about these series, uh, well, the last series, Lightning and Rangers, that's left over in the NHL. Primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please, as always, drink responsibly. We are about, let's see, what are we going to give the over-under on tip, tip off here? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say this is going to be about 620. 6, 620. Kelly, where, where, where are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put, we'll put it at 619.30. How about that? Over under that. So as we sit right now, still sitting three and a half in favor of Boston. We have seen multiple books now go to 214 on the total. So that has gone up since we've been on air here. So be sure and do a little bit of shopping if you plan on playing at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
the total. Now join us here on the program. You can find him over on Twitter at jhan4. You can also find him at the Mayo Media Network. You can find him on SiriusXM. And you can find him right here with us. He is Jake Hahn. Jake, thanks for the time, man. Matt West, good to be on with you guys tonight. I know it's uh, NBA Finals night, so that's the the focus. But we do still have hockey going on. It's nice to have a little off night from, from the NHL and actually get to focus in on the NBA a little bit. So I'm actually looking forward to, uh, once I hang out with you guys, going and watching that game. Jake, I am a huge hockey guy. How could I'm I I mean, I don't want you to say that I I need hockey tonight. I needed a game. I needed it on. Uh, I actually did watch the entirety of the game last night. And I do want to get your thoughts here before we start previewing yeah. the the game tomorrow. Um, as you were watching along, did it ever feel to you at all? Because it did not to me that the Rangers had a chance in that game at all. It just seemed like the the couple of opportunities that they had, they couldn't even put shots on goal. And then at that point, I just never got any sense whatsoever that they were truly in that game. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. And when I look at the series as a whole, it just feels like Tampa Bay has been getting better and better with each game. I thought the Rangers were clearly the better team in game one. They were slightly the better team to me in game two. And I thought game three was closer to even Tampa Bay sort of took it over towards the end. And then game four to me, at least even strength was all Tampa Bay. And I think that was a, a huge problem for the Rangers in the two games that took place on the road in Tampa. They didn't score a single even strength goal in two games. So they really relied on that power play to be able to score. And Tampa Bay did a good job staying out of the penalty box. And that was basically it for them. So there was no space for them out there. And, and by them, I mean the Rangers to do anything in game four against the Lightning. And we've seen the Lightning do that to so many teams in the past. So if you're a Rangers fan, you can take solace in the fact that you do have the extra home game. That you can go back to MSG where they clearly had success in games one and two against Tampa Bay. But it does feel like the way this series is going right now. Tampa's starting to, to take control and, and they're figuring out the Rangers uh, maybe like they didn't in game one and two. And to your point, Jake, and obviously the Rangers have had more games in the playoffs than, than most other teams, but the Rangers do rank 15 out of 16 in the five-on-five five expected goals. I believe just 2.91 goals per game. What was the difference, though, that you saw in the first two games in the Garden? Because it, it, it seemed to me like Tampa Bay, who has a lot of miles on these engines in terms of winning yeah. the last two Stanley Cups, it just seemed like they were a step slow. And then in that third period of game number three, they figured out they were the Tampa Bay Lightning and they found another gear. So how do you see that flipping forward, at least to game number five tomorrow night? Well, there's been a few moments throughout the course of these playoffs and maybe even going back to the regular season where I thought Tampa Bay was just running out of steam. Like they won the last two straight Stanley Cups. There were moments in the regular season where they looked pedestrian. The first game against the Maple Leafs, they were just a no-show and the Leafs just, just smashed them. And we thought, okay, maybe this is the beginning of the end. They obviously run through Florida pretty easily. And then you see what you saw in game one against the Rangers. And again, I'm starting to think like, okay, the long layoffs getting to them. They've just played a lot of hockey over the last few seasons. Is it finally starting to catch up to this team based on what I saw in games three and four honestly it seemed like the Rangers were the team that was losing steam and that they were out of gas and you mentioned it the Rangers have played a lot of hockey throughout the course of the playoffs so far they've been pushed seven games twice and uh, the stats don't really like teams all time that have had to go seven games in the first two rounds it does tend to catch up with you a little bit so I think that's what I'm really curious about what I'm going to see from the Rangers I, I think they're going to get a boost of energy from the crowd I could see them coming out really nicely in the first period and playing well can they sustain that for 60 minutes in game five because it certainly looked like Tampa Bay had the extra legs uh, in game three and four in Tampa 
All right, Jake, so let's look to tomorrow night. We are sitting right now at Tampa Bay, about minus 125, 130-ish, something like that. You can find a plus 115 out there on the Rangers if you want to go that direction. You got that, and you got four SOG bets. I love it. I love it. Tell us what's uh, yeah. tell us what's in your account, my man. Those are specifically for you, Matt. Yes. Looking at the uh, at, at the SOG the SOG bets. But look, first, I can't pass up the Rangers at plus money. Like they played well in in game one and two on home ice. They've been a great home team all season, all playoffs. So. I just think I have to go with them at plus money. I think it's a coin flip game. I feel like the odds should be a pick So I think you're getting some slight value with the Rangers in this spot. And look, the odds makers haven't budged. The, this is basically the same line that we saw in game one and two. Tampa Bay was was a favorite around minus 130, minus 125 in those games. And the Rangers won both of those games. So I think it'll be close. I'll take the plus money with the home side in that instance. And looking at, at some some player shots, I mean, Mika's advantage ad for the Rangers has just been money. He basically gets at least two shots every single game. And you're just hoping he can get that extra third shot. And for the most part, he has been doing that. He plays in all situations. So I'm going to continue to ride Mika's advantage ad like I have for a while on the Tampa side of the ledger if you've been you know following this series and you're seeing how it's trending they're firing a lot of rubber at Igor Shosturkin so I could see uh, maybe even Igor Shosturkin saves would be a good bet in this game as well I think Tampa is going to continue to throw a lot of rubber probably get upwards of 30 plus shots Kucherov has been great on the over three and a half he's someone I would certainly look at and a couple guys that you can get at over one and a half Anthony Sorelli who's playing 20 plus minutes for Tampa every single night uh, regularly in that three four shot range and Andre Pilar who's playing on the top line with Kucherov and with Steven Stamkos. He had a huge game on game four, ultimately sealed it with the empty netter. Those are a couple guys I like at over one and a half. I think you might see the lines adjusted a little bit based on what we saw in the last couple games, but I'm willing to eat a little extra juice with those guys, maybe even go to the over two and a half if it's available and and get some plus money as well. Jake, on your uh, shots on goal play there with Mika Sabinajad, uh, looks like uh, Heedle, we don't know if he's going to be able to go for game five. Ryan Strom, so would you just use Mika in terms of uh, attacking that, assuming those guys are out, or any other players you might have in mind for the blue shirts? Yeah, I, I think Mika is the safest play because you just know what you're going to get from him. He's healthy. He's playing on the top line. He plays on the first power play unit. And when you watch their power play, they're trying to force the puck to him. And that one timer, uh, you know, Fox and, and Panarin, those guys who are great playmakers, will try to get the puck over to Zibanejad. So if the Rangers get two or three power plays in this game, I think he's probably going to hit his over just based on that alone. And then you're going to get what you get from him, even strength and maybe even shorthanded because he kills penalties as well. So I like him. I think Chris Kreider is worth a look as well. He's come down a little bit in the market you can get him over two and a half usually around minus 110 minus 115 for the over there he stands in front of the net on the power play he plays on that top line with Mika's advantage at so he's not afraid to shoot the puck as well I think he's someone to look at I'll take a pass on Ryan Strom for now just because we don't know where his health is at and even before he went down hadn't been shooting quite as much uh, and Artemi Panarin can be a frustrating player he just likes to pass so uh, you you'll get tempted by the plus money that's offered with him. Sometimes you'll get like plus 130, plus 135 for his over two and a half, but he can be a frustrating player to back sometimes. So Zibanej had the safe play for me, and I, I would certainly give a look to Chris Kreider as well. Jake, if we look at the uh, if we look at the futures odds, Avalanche minus 220, Lightning plus 350, Rangers six to one. Is there, can, can either one of these teams go in and knock off the avalanche or should we be should we be just trying to to figure out what the best way is to play Colorado 
Yeah, well, I have a lightning future, so I'm I'm kind of going through that right now, <laughs> thinking like, okay, what should I do here? But I just don't think there's any value in taking the abs right now. And the reason I say that is the price that you're getting currently won't be the same as when the whatever series it is starts against Tampa Bay or the Rangers. Seeing some projected lines, I think the abs will go off around minus 160-ish if the lightning make it through probably looking at a similar line to what you're seeing now if the Rangers go through. So I think you're fine waiting if you really do want to lay the chalk with Colorado. But to answer your question, I think either of these teams can give the Avs a, a great series and possibly even win the, the Stanley Cup. I don't think the Avs have really faced a, a, a team like this yet. Maybe St. Louis. I think we could put the Blues in that category. But I think the Lightning and, and the Rangers are both slightly better than the Blues. And I think they're in a completely different class than the Oilers, who went on a, a magical run. But whoever made it out of that Pacific side of the bracket I think was just going to get fed to the wolves in the central division I truly thought the three best teams in the west were Colorado St. Louis and Minnesota so uh, I think these teams in the east are very legit and I, I think it's going to be a long series so it would be a wait and see uh, on the abs price I think you'll get a much better price during the cup final Jake I wish I got the opportunity to make the SOG bets with you. I would tell you every single night on the SOG bets, all I want to do is root, sit here on this set and root for SOGs, but alas, they are not <laughs> one offered. Day. The, the alas, they are not offered here. One day, one day, hopefully they will be. Find him over on Twitter at jhan for jhan. Thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow. Great chat with you boys and enjoy the game tonight. We're going to have Jake. tip off here, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're out there warming up, so maybe a little, maybe under 620. Mm, yeah. Several minutes, we'll just say. <laughs> we'll see. We'll also talk some RBC Canadian Open. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.